You are listening to Matter of Theology, a podcast production that deals with church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We stand firm on the sufficiency of Scripture, hitting every topic with an open Bible and the boldness to say things that others are afraid to. And now, here's the host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters, because everything is, all of life is a matter of theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production that stands for the sufficiency of Scripture and seeks to show how Scripture infallibly, inerrantly, sufficiently, and authoritatively applies to everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. Uh, My name is Chris. I am your host uh, on behalf of the Christian podcast community uh, and the Bar Network. That is the Biblical and Reformed Podcast Network. We are grateful that you have chosen to tune into this episode. Um, And I do pray, we do pray that you are doing well and that the truths of God's word applied by the Holy Spirit continue to form you more and more into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome. We are so glad that you are here. Um, And before we get started, wait, 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 wait. Before we get started about before getting started, we got to do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Zoa opened. All right, here we go. (laughs) Welcome, welcome back. Uh, So a few things um, uh, to note as of the recording of this episode and uh, and, uh, is, is this... Uh, keep in mind, we are um, on a Bonfire, so we do have uh, an apparel, merch, whatever you want to call it, um, some shirts, some mugs, some stuff like, stuff like that on Bonfire. Check it out. Um, there's a link in the show notes. And if you would like to support uh, us by by repping your favorite Matter of Theology gear, uh, then do so. And then when you if, when and if you choose to do so, take a picture. Make sure to tag us in it. Uh, we would love to see it. That would be really cool. Um, and uh, make sure to head on over as well. I've already mentioned uh, these two uh, networks and communities. We're a part of the Christian Podcast Community and the Bar Network. Make sure you are checking them out. Um, if you happen to listen to this episode uh, before September, uh, September 21st of 2000. 2023, um, then make sure you are registered for the G3 National Conference taking place here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, September uh, starts September 21. I believe it's through September 23. Uh, and it will be at the Georgia International Convention Center near the airport. Um, tickets are selling fast. I believe as of the recording of this episode uh, recently today or yesterday, Dr. Josh Bice, of course, he's the president and founder of G3 Ministries, um, pastor of uh, Praise Mill Baptist Church in Douglasville. Georgia, he did uh, put out there that there are over 6,500 people registered. They're expecting close to 8,500, if not more. Uh, So at some point, registration will close. So head on over to g3men.org, g3men.org. Make sure you are registered. Use the code G3JT, that's G3. JT, that's just thinking's code, and you get 30% off. So I have permission from Virgil to do that, so because <laughs> I missed the, I missed the cutoff for us uh, to have our own code. So, um, so uh, l- let's get into today's episode, and the title of today's episode is "My Brother's Keeper," um, and 
this this is kind of a kind of a, a spinoff from the last episode that I did, um, uh, a candid convo and shepherd's conference, and I just talked a little bit about what the Lord has been doing in my life, and and talked about forgiveness and uh, the forgiveness that we receive from the Lord uh, through the shed blood of Christ, the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and talked about being able to to lay that guilt down, holding on to that guilt. I didn't say this in the episode, but it, but it bears saying here, holding on to uh, and dwelling on uh, guilt from past sins that have been forgiven uh, is a sin on your part. Um, and, uh, and as we're going to get into today, um, holding that sin that has been repented of and forgiveness has been extended, um, from the Lord and from others, holding that on above other people's heads, uh, has also, is also a sin. It's, it's wildly hypocritical. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a little bit. And, and <laughs> we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. I was going to repeat myself. So I need it. That's what it is, man. I just need to sip. Hold up. Hmm. There it is. Okay, cool. Um, so um, this this episode, like I said, is called "My Brother's Keeper," and um, originally um, this was um, a, a a sermon that I preached um, back in I want to say it was 2020. I'm recording this in 2023. This is season four of Matter of Theology, episode eight. Um, and so I'm, I preached this, uh, right as everything shut down as far as COVID goes. So I ended up preaching this on video and this was a part of a men's event that I was invited to, to, to speak at. And, um, and I, I was, uh, after, after the last episode and talking about forgiveness, um, I mentioned that I wanted to do this, that I wanted to record this episode, get my notes out from this sermon and, and, and open this back up, uh, because, uh, this is an important topic uh, to talk about. This is something that's that's neglected. Uh, I, I feel like a, a good bit from most professing evangelical churches today, um, unless you're preaching expositionally through the Bible and you come to passages of Scripture like Galatians chapter six. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, it's called my brother's keeper. And um, and so in getting into this, there's 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 something that I think uh, needs to be pointed out. Something we point out often on MOT is is um, the the first mission of the church um, uh, of 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 Jesus Christ. And this was actually um, uh, let me get there. Hang on one second. There it is. This was actually a quote from Dr. John MacArthur, um, who said this. He said, "Quote the most important pursuit." for all Christians individually and corporately as holiness. He said the first mission of the church is to honor and glorify God and he can be honored and glorified by his children only as they grow to be like him in character. Period. Close quote. That's Dr. John MacArthur, of course, pastor teacher of Grace Community Church. Um, and uh, yeah, so wow, what, what an what an amazing amazing truth that is that the most important pursuit for us individually and corporately is holiness, and that is um, uh, God is honored and glorified uh, by His children only as they grow to be like Him in character. Um, uh, however, there, there is, there, there is something that we all still wrestle with and that's sin. Um, we, we will all wrestle with sin. Um, first John chapter one verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
And then you've got you've got First John one eight. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And I read those in that order. I know it's backwards, but I did that on purpose. Um, we we will all struggle and wrestle with sin. However, um, as as we kind of talked about last week, um, you know there there is grace and forgiveness, and right sandwiched in between verse one and verse eight out of First John chapter one is verse nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's First John one nine. Sin is a very real actual reality in all of our lives. James 3, 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. Sin affects us. The flesh affects us. Uh, Even though we have new hearts, even though we have been given uh, the ability to understand, comprehend, and obey the truths found in scripture, uh, we still wrestle with the flesh. The greatest enemy, and I've said this recently, and in fact, this season on Matter of Theology, the greatest enemy you and I face this side of eternity um, is not culture. The greatest enemy that you and I face this side of eternity is not what you see happening in governments. The greatest threat that you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ face on this side of eternity is the war that goes on with our own sin, our own desires, and our flesh. And brothers and sisters, sin uh, and, and the effects of sin affects us. And, and it, sin angers and grieves the heart of God. And it, it affects everything all around us all the time. We, we live in a fallen world um, that, that has been impacted by the effects of sin. So here are a few ways that sin affects us. Sin steals our joy. Sin steals our peace. Sin steals and affects the fruit that we are able to produce. And with unconfessed sin in our lives, we cannot produce the type of good fruit that we've been called and commanded to produce. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing at all. John 15 and verse two, our Lord says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So brothers and sisters, sin causes pain. Sin leads to death. Romans six twenty three: for the wages of sin is death, spiritual and otherwise. Sin affects everyone around us, not just us. And, and, and beloved sin cannot be trifled with. It must be done away with. It must be hacked to pieces. It, it, it must, there, there's no choice here because if, and, and, and I'm going to say this line maybe a couple of times in this episode is, is the, the, the Puritan John Owen, when he said, be killing sin or sin will kill you. That's not just some pithy saying, that's the truth. It will. And for any, anyone listening to the sound of my voice right now, you know that because we all have sinned. 
we all have felt the effects of our own sin and we all have felt the effects of the sin around uh, of others right we all have it's a battle it's a war now that said and and all of that so the fact that the most important pursuit for all Christians, going back to Dr. MacArthur's quote, individually and corporately is holiness. And the fact that the first mission of the church is to honor and glorify God by his children as we grow to be like him in, in character, that's Romans eight twenty nine. We we clearly see that we cannot go into this battle alone. We can't. We cannot do it on our own. Genesis 1.18, then, then, then Yahweh, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, now I understand in context, this he, he's referring to, to Eve, but the principle still applies. We need each other. We're commanded to be our brother's keeper, right? Um, <laughs> I said that growing up about my own brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Um, yes, yes, you are. You absolutely are. And so the passage of scripture that I want us to unpack here that deals with this specifically is going to be in Galatians, Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. So Galatians chapter six, verses one through five. And uh, so if you have your copy of God's word, get it. If you are driving and um, uh, if you're driving and uh, you can't, you know, read scripture right now, listen and follow along, but then make sure um, if, if you want to go back and listen to this, grab a pen, grab a notebook um, and take some of this stuff down because this is important. This is important stuff and, and scripture is going to show us why it's important. So Galatians chapter six, uh, starting in verse one, scripture says this, brothers, even if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each of you looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. That's Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. So um, let's, let, let, let's get into this. And, um, and as we're getting into this, um, I, I want us to see something and I have, uh, you know, again, because this, this was a sermon, <laughs> I did prepare, uh, three homiletical points. Um, I mean, this is, I'm not preaching right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, my desire is to open up the scriptures and to encourage you uh, with this. So this is, this is not a sermon. I want to be very clear that uh, a podcast is not a sermon. Uh, so, but, but you may hear, <laughs> the unction come out a little bit. Um, and so, but just know that I am not viewing this as a sermon, uh, as, as a podcast is not, as I'm not physically with you. Um, so that said, let me just keep going here. Um, so the first point that I have, let me, let me tell you what the headings were and then, uh, and then we'll get into each one. Um, heading number one is the responsibility to hoist up. 
Heading number two is the resolve to hold up. And then point number three is the reminder of humility. So the responsibility to hoist up, the resolve to hold up, and the reminder of humility. So what I want to do uh, before we do this is, and just again, keeping with kind of what what I did uh, in the last episode and what we talked about there, I want to flip over to Matthew 18 for a second. And Matthew 18 is, um, uh, it is, it is an incredible uh, section of scripture. Um, and here we see, uh, if your brother sins in uh, verses 15 through 20, and then I also want to look at verses 21 through 35 again, um, uh, because I think that, 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 that bears some weight here with what we're talking about. Um, so starting at verse 15 of Matthew 18, um, our Lord uh, says this. Now, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as the Gentile and the tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be, have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about, everything, about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered... Together in my name, I am there in their midst. So we see here in this section of scripture, the the example of how we are to do church discipline Um, in the context of a local church. This is what church discipline should look like Um, as a, a, a pause here. And an aside, if you are a part of a church or searching for a church and you're meeting with the the pastor or pastors and elders, a fantastic question to ask them would be, I mean, you know, don't, you don't need details, but you ask them, when was the last time you practiced church discipline? What was the outcome? That's a fantastic question to ask because this is important as, as this helps guard the purity of Christ's bride. And we see from, from multiple sections of scripture, but I'm reminded in the moment of Ephesians chapter five, uh, that the Lord cares very much about the purity of the bride, purity of his church. Um, and, uh, and so this is important, but the whole goal here, the whole goal of the disciplining process is not to destroy the character of the sinner. The whole goal um, is not to shun them and push them away. The goal here is to incite repentance. The goal here is to is to is for the Lord to convict this person of sin. And then for, for repentance to take place, forgiveness to be extended, and, 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 and so, that, so that you win your brother. And our Lord says that in verse 15, between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have won your brother. That's the whole point. The whole point of confronting, the whole point of tribunals, if you will, within the church is just that, is, 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 is for the conviction of sin and, and hopefully, Lord willing, that person will repent, you will have won your brother. Okay, so then, then 
you know, th- then you're able to move into Galatians 6, 1. Um, but, but before we do that, I want to look again at, and, and, and we did this last episode, but you may have not have heard that and that's okay. So I want to look at this again in, in verses 21 through 35, because this is important because right after this, Peter comes to Christ and, and, and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. Therefore, the slave fell to the ground and was prostrating himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And feeling compassion, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. Uh, lost my place there for a second. There it is. Verse 28. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and was pleading with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Verse 31. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in that same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Verse 35, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your hearts. That is a section of scripture that believers, professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today need to make themselves very familiar with. All have sinned and through the life and the death and the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and because of the Holy Spirit applying that work in and through our lives, we have been forgiven a debt that we had no hope of repaying. So who are we to hold the debt and the sin of others, sin that people repent of, sin that people beg forgiveness for? And and if we say we extend that forgiveness to them, we have no right, lest we be wildly hypocritical, 
and not understanding the meritorious work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins to hold that sin over them or to resurrect that sin years later or months later or days later. No, that sin is paid for at the cross, just like yours has been. Don't be the legalistic older brother. Understand that you have been forgiven much. Therefore, you forgive. How many times? 70 times, seven times. No, that doesn't mean that you forgive that exact number of times. Whatever 70 times seven is, that's the exact number of times. No, it doesn't matter how many times you forgive. You model Christ. If the whole goal of sanctification in the lives of believers is to be conformed more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we should model what Christ did in the example that Christ set for us. And we see that example. We see that example as on the cross, he is, he is asking the Father to forgive I'm reminded of, of, of Peter's words in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 when, oh man, I didn't have this written down. Christ, there it is. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. Uh, for, two, for, for two, this you have been called since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps who did, not, who did no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who being reviled was not reviling in return while suffering. He was uttering no threats, but kept entrusting him, himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sin, we might live to righteousness by his wounds. You were healed. Amen. Amen. And we're going to get into this a little bit late. Well, let's just do it now. Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul writes, let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you along with malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, graciously forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also graciously has forgiven you. We flip over to Colossians, and I did this last time, but I'm going to do it again because it's the gospel. Colossians chapter 2, and you being, and this mirrors Ephesians 2 as well, and you being dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him, having graciously forgiven us all our transgressions. Chapter 3, verse 13. Let's back up to verse 12. So, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, which by the way, anyone in the Greek means anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. Now, you know what's fun about this is none of that was in my notes, (laughs) 
But this is something, like I said in last time, that the Lord is really working on in me, um, and it, and 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 me personally, just to let stuff go, stop living in the past. I talked about it last time. Philippians three, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward, pressing on, reaching forward for what lies ahead. But in order to do that. Brothers and sisters, we have to forgive one another. We cannot fulfill the responsibility to hoist up, the resolve to hold up, and we cannot be reminded of humility if we don't forgive, graciously forgive, as we have been graciously forgiven. We can't do it. So, pause for a moment. The responsibility to hoist up brothers, even if anyone, there's that word again, anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each of you looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So, so brothers, Brothers, this is this is uh, the same word as brotherly love, fellow believer. Paul is speaking to the Christians, the believers, the called out ones. They're in Galatia. He is speaking to them, saying, "Brothers, if anyone, if any man, if any woman." in the church is caught, whether by surprise or uh, as far as, uh, you know, they didn't know they were caught or whatever the case may be, or uh, that they are caught, they are guilty without a doubt. They have fallen. They have committed transgression, okay? Transgression. They have committed sin, holy treason, uh, not holy treason, but treason against a holy God. I was thinking of R.C. Sproul's words there. They've fallen and the imagery here. Paul loves to use the imagery of athletes, specifically runners and soldiers. But the imagery here is of a runner. They've fallen. They, they, they need help. They've been caught. The, the King James translates this section. It says it like this overtaken in a fault. If they are caught in any transgression, you may be reading from a New American Standard. It says trespass in the New American Standard. Parapatoma, a false step, misdeed ethically. Now, what what this doesn't, what this section, what Paul's getting into here, it doesn't imply that it was a, a premeditated sin, right? That that it was planned out. We don't know the details. But again, any sin that you commit because you are not actively fighting sin, if you're passive against the battle, against temptation, you're losing that battle. If you are not, if you are not willing to go from zero to an 11 on a scale of one to 10, let me say that again. If you are not willing to go from zero to 11 on a scale of one to 10 like that, then you are losing the battle against sin. 
That's that 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 is the truth. It was um it was just today actually, and let me pull this up. That uh, uh my my friend and brother uh, Daryl Harrison. Uh, I quote Daryl a lot on the podcast. I don't have to tell you who he is anymore. Um, but uh, he was responding to somebody on on Twitter saying what what sh- you know what what should someone do um if if they are convicted of sin, and he laid out these five steps and i want to read them really quickly um these five steps of what you should do number one admit you have a sin problem be very specific about the sin you have a problem with don't hide behind vague terms number two confess your sin to god your your problem with that specific sin and then he said see joshua 7 1 through 21 and earnestly pray that he would grant you a heartfelt desire to mortify that sin in your life number three identify ways you are exposing yourself to falling into that sin and eliminate them from your life including people if necessary Number four, study and memorize scripture verses that address the sin problem you have. And number five, find a believer. This goes right along with what we're talking about today. No, Daryl didn't know I was doing this. (laughs) Number five, find a believer, someone mature in their understanding of the word of God, who would be willing to disciple you through that sin issue and speak the truth to you in love. Ephesians 4.15. So, uh, I have saved, I I took a screenshot of that. I have printed that and that's going in the front of my Bible. And I might print another copy to put it in whatever journal I'm using at the time as well, because those are helpful, helpful steps, five steps um, uh, in, 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 in the battle against against hacking the the sin that's in your life and the desire for that sin in your life to pieces. So what, what Paul does here is he's saying, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, any trespass, any sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So, so Paul, again, is reaffirming, reaffirming to whom this is written uh, and to whom the responsibility falls upon to help that sinner, that brother, who has who has fallen in this trespass and sin those you who are spiritual those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ those who have have been regenerated and have new life in Christ anyone walking in the spirit producing fruits the, the fruits of the spirit found just a a few sentences over in Galatians 5 for us verses 22 through 23. Okay, someone mature, someone spiritual. I love the way Daryl broke that down. Um, and 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 so you're to seek that person out. Now, if you are someone who is spiritual, you who are spiritual, you have a responsibility to restore, to um, to come up underneath, as we're going to see here in a minute. Like that's a command. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Brothers and sisters, we are all on the same team. And as members of that team, we have a huge command and responsibility to be there for one another, especially in moments like this. Romans 15, 1. Now we 
who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. That's Paul writing in Romans 15, verse 1. Paul again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. We urge you, brothers, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. So we who are spiritual, strong, um, among the brethren, among the brothers and sisters and the bride of Christ, we are to restore, to mend, to repair, to help complete, to equip. So we think about, we, we, we think about the setting of a bone. Okay, we're to, we're, we're, to, we're to restore in that way, to set things, to help that person set things right before the Lord, set things right before those involved in the sin. That's a command. Now, notice what it doesn't say to do. It doesn't say, you know, scold, condemn, aggravate, ghost, abandon. No, restore. Restore, mend, repair. We see similar language in Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Okay, so how? What, what, how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, first and foremost, bearing one another's burden, by the way, and, 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 and the restoration, it does involve confrontation. We do have to ensure that we're continuing to confront the sin as just that. It was sin. It was a trespass, a transgression against a holy God. It is treason against a holy God, as I mentioned earlier. R.C. Sproul is very, very famous for saying that. It's a sin against God. It's a sin against themselves. It's a sin against their family. Uh, it's a sin against the church. Sin doesn't just affect the one sinning, and every sin needs to be disciplined. And trust me, brothers and sisters, don't play with it. Don't trifle with it. Don't ignore it. Don't fail to mortify it. Mortify it. Hack it to pieces. Again, oh, and always be killing your sin or it will be killing you. And don't just preach against it with your words. Act against it. We battle against it, as we were talking about earlier. So, so when we see Paul brothers, even if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So when we, we pick up, we hoist one up who has fallen into sin and transgression, like a runner falls, like a soldier on the battlefield falls. We, we, we pick them up, we hoist them up, but we do so in a spirit of gentleness, compassion, meekness. Okay, and, and when it says in a spirit, that's in a frame of mind, in a disposition. I mean, think about this. Gentleness, meekness. Now, by the way, gentleness is the first fruit of the spirit found in Galatians chapter five and verse 23, but the fruits of the spirit, I'm sorry, it's not the first, it's the first one in that verse, um, but the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, 
We see that 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 is a, a major fruit of the spirit. We find that um, we we see that in 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 multiple examples of scripture. Right, Paul confronting Peter, uh, Saul and David, and of course there's there's the example of of Christ and in John uh, chapter eight. Uh, and I know what some of you may be thinking. Uh, oh man, he's going to go to the, the Pricope Adultery. Yep, I sure am. But Chris, the textual variant. Uh, yep, I know, but it's in my Bible and we can learn from it. So we're going to look at it. <laughs> so John chapter eight, and we see starting in verse three, then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Okay. We don't need to go any farther than that to describe what happened, how they found her. Okay. Verse five. Now the law of the, uh, now in the law, Moses commanded us, uh, commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have evidence to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court, straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go and from now on sin no more. That's John chapter eight, verses three through 11. Uh, Again, I understand textual variant, but we can, this is useful. This is, uh, this is yet another example in scripture, in the gospels where we see the Lord having compassion, having compassion and kindness and gentleness among those to whom he came to save those who are weak, the sinners, not the righteous, but the sinners, and, and if that's how our Lord modeled how we should be with other sinners, we should seek to model that. Now, let me, let me pause here for a second and say this. Some of you out there who have listened to Matter of Theology and uh, maybe you've listened to some other uh, podcasts or other preachers when, when, when they call out publicly false teachers, right? Well, it, that, that's not being kind and that's not doing this and that's not doing that. And you said this about me and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's like, well, but listen, th- th- there's a difference. There's a difference uh, between the two. Okay. False teaching and false teachers. Um, uh, typically w- when you can conf- not, I mean, yeah, typically when you confront them, they- they're not repentant. They're not. It's, it's, t- t- they typically double and triple down. Um, that and, and their teaching is dangerous. Heresy is dangerous. False teaching is dangerous. And so there is the responsibility of every pastor, every elder, but every believer. Again, I'm going to quote R.C. Sproul here. Everyone's a theologian. It's the responsibility of every theologian. That means all of us to call out false teaching and false teachers. There's nothing not loving about that. Telling someone the truth and exposing error and exposing lies 
especially when it comes to matters of theology, is, is, some, is, is some of the most loving things you can do. So there is a difference. However, it should still be done in a spirit of gentleness. The goal of our instruction is love, Paul said. So we see that in Jesus' example um, here in John 8, we see he didn't want to destroy this woman. He didn't want to drive her to further sorrow. And, and he even said it in condemnation. He said, go and sin no more. And you think to the Pharisees and the scribes' response here, and, and, and man, you see the the... You see a lot of that today. So a couple, let's keep going along this theme for a second. John chapter 21, if you're still in John, I'm going to flip over to chapter 21 here. And which by the way, uh, I haven't said this in this episode yet, but I'm going to say it now. I am, of course, reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. The LSB is the preferred translation of Matter of Theology. No, they're not sponsoring us or me. I just love the translation as it is the most literal and is uh, was worked on with authorial intent, getting back to true context of, of how the original texts were written. Um, and I do know and love the team over at 316 Publishing very much. So head on over to 316publishing.com, get uh, yourself a copy of the LSB, or head on over to read.lsbible.org if you want to read along with us. Okay, John 21, in the restoration of Peter. So you remember Peter, I can identify a lot with Peter, right? I'm going to honor you, Lord. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to draw the sword from my sheath when they come to arrest my Lord, because no, they are not going to arrest my Lord. And I'm going to start chopping ears off. I, I can identify with that big time, but, but we also know that Peter denied Christ three times and it broke Peter, Peter did repent and listen to the way that our Lord restores him. John 21, 15 through 17. So when they had finished break, uh, breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He being Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He being Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So we see this restoration that takes place. We see uh, kindness of, of our Lord. Now, something else I want to look at here. I've been, I've been studying this this week uh, by just the Lord's providence. Um, uh, I've been studying the, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And so I'm flipping over there now. And... Um, what what a story and I, and I know there are many out there listening to this that uh, that have heard this story um and but this this goes along with what I'm talking about and I I, I want to focus for a second on the legalistic son and the older son so 
the older son kept tabs on the younger son. The younger son understood, um, came to his father, repented of his sin. And the father, verse 22, the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calves, slaughter it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field And when he came and and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And summoning one of the servants, he began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to them, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry, the older son, and was not wanting to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and never have I neglected a command of yours. And yet never have you given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice how he says that, but this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes You killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, child, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had a chance to, we we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and is alive and was lost and has been found. So a couple of things to note here is this older son, this older son is the Pharisees. Is, is representative of, of the Pharisees, of, of, of those um, who also, I, I thought about this today. I mean, this, the, the, this older son is also representative of social justice warriors that we see today. You know, I didn't get to do that. I don't get to do that. I never got to do that. That's not fair. It must be because of privilege. There's, there's, there's hardness of heart. There's lack of forgiveness. When the father was to be celebrated because of the mercy that he shown, the father was to be glorified and honored because of the mercy and grace he had shown to this 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 wayward younger son who had who did come and did want his share of the inheritance and did go blow it on the temporal pleasures of this world, but sought repentance and forgiveness, and that was extended to him by the father. And look at how the Pharisees responded. So brothers and sisters, don't be a Pharisee in how you respond to others who have sinned against you. Don't be that. Don't be that legalistic person. Don't don't judge for yourself and call into question the meritorious, wonderful, gracious, and powerful work of the gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ because you don't like the outcome. That is wildly hypocritical. Because that same grace and that same forgiveness has either been extended to you or is available to you. So here's, here's a question as we get back to Galatians um, chapter six is, is this your motivation is restoration? Do you, do you celebrate 
the restoration of your brothers and sisters when they when they're caught in a transgression or sin or trespass and that repentance is sought and extended forgiveness is given do you celebrate that do you honor the lord are you excited and overjoyed that you've gained your brother back even if he her or she brother or sister even if they have hurt you Anyone professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who is overly critical or judgmental when attempting to restore or hoist up one who has repented has also fallen himself into the, into the sin of, of the legalistic son. And the reason that we restore and the reason that we do it with gentleness is so that that um, 2 Corinthians 2, 7, lest somehow such a one be overwhelmed with uh, or drink or, or uh, dwell on or swallow over and above excessive sorrow or grief. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter, seven, chapter, chapter 2 and verse 7. The apostle Paul continues, each one looking to yourself so that you you too will not be tempted. Now, this is, this is important. That, that there's no sin which one person is committed that another person may not commit or be tempted to commit. So consider here, look to, each of you looking to yourself, consider, look to, contemplate. That's a present active. That's a strong word in the Greek. Give diligent, constant focus to your own walk, lest you be tempted. None of us is immune to temptation. Christ was tempted, yet was without sin. So we aren't to fall into the the temptation to maybe engage in the sin that the person was caught in and or, and I've already addressed it, but and or the temptation to look down your nose and condemn the one who has fallen, sinned, repented and been forgiven this is a warning we've got to be careful we got to look to we got to be on guard you got to have situational awareness you got to keep your heart guard your heart john flavel would say against falling into temptation so that (laughs) there's point one the responsibility to hoist up so next we have the resolve to hold up. Check out verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now this can be the area where most abandon ship, okay? This requires staying power. This requires patience. This requires the attitude of a shepherd, hunting and searching for his sheep. This is strong shoulders are needed. And and this is just as much of responsibility as, as, as the, the responsibility to hoist up the resolve to hold up. You can't quit. It's not, it's not enough to hoist, to pick someone up. Right to help him return to his feet after the fall, after the injury, the surgery. Right, I mean, if you think about again using this this picture of a runner, um, 
there, there was a, a very famous video that made the rounds some years back of a, 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 of a runner who pulled something, something, something tore. I don't know what it was, but he was limping. I mean, really struggling. And his dad comes out of nowhere um, and comes up underneath him and runs with him across the finish line. One of the most powerful examples, number one, of the, of the love of a father, but then uh, just a, a great picture of how we are to be as believers when we hold one another up and bear one another's burdens. We are called and commanded to do so. Um, you know, on the, on the battlefield, uh, I get Paul likes to use uh, imagery of a of a soldier, but on on the on the battlefield, if if you know if you're in battle with someone and they're wounded, you don't leave them there. You don't pick them up and then just walk away from them. You pick them up and then and then you hold them up. You hold them up until they are able to 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 until they're mobile under their own power. But even then, you're right there. And if you think about it, going back to the, the image of an injury, right, uh, um, or surgery or, or something like that, like you're in a weakened state physically, you know, think about uh, a blown Achilles, right, a torn shoulder, um, something like that. I mean, you're, you're in, a, in a weakened state. You're not able to stand. You may have been hoisted up, but then if someone just turns around and walks away, you can fall right back down. And sometimes when you fall back down, you're injured worse than you were the first time. Remember Romans 15, one read it earlier. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. And I, I again, want to want to draw our focus to the verb tense here, bear active continually, uh, Bastazo in the Greek, to take up and carry with endurance. Don't quit. Don't quit. You keep going. You carry that with them. You help them bear that cross. You help them bear that load. Bear one another's burdens. Burden there is weights, heavy loads. And it signifies loads that are that, that are too heavy to carry on, on, on your on, you know on your own. Um, uh, I'm, I think right now I um, I have some friends that uh, were um, uh, seals, Navy seals, and you know I think about the videos that you see of buds, right? Buds, uh, basic underwater, uh, uh, basic underwater uh, demolition uh, and seal training, right? Um, you think about one of the things they do is they carry this huge log that there's no way you can carry this thing on your own. I don't care who you are. No one's going to be able to, to bear the weight, the burden of old glory is I think what they call it on their own. You've got to have your team. You've got to have your man to your, in this case, your front, your back, your left, your right. Like you cannot bear that weight on your own. Sin is the same thing. And I would argue that it's not the same thing. Actually, it's worse because it infects the, and infects you and affects you eternally versus anything temporally. 
So in context, these, these burdens that entice to fall, right? The, to, to, to those that have fallen, the, those, those burdens are unbearable to carry alone. If they've given into the temptation, whatever the temptation is, that, when that temptation comes back up again, it's going to be trying to carry that giant log all on your own. And especially if you're in the ocean, you're going to drown. This is where the worst can occur. And this is key to overcome sin, to overcome a specific sin one time isn't the same as overcoming the temptation to that sin. As one who is spiritually restoring your brother, this is only the beginning Hoisting them up is only the beginning. In the same way, right, when we are regenerated, when, when the Lord positionally sanctifies us, that's only the beginning of, of, of our walk. That's, that positional sanctification is, is initially takes place and then leads to that progressive sanctification. And one who, listen to me, one who truly loves his brother or sister, when I say brother, it, it goes across both male and female. Don't anybody out social justice warriors out there, don't, don't, you know, don't get crazy. Anyone who truly loves his brother will walk with him, pray with him, study the word with him, confront him, hold on to him, be a source of constant account- accountability to him. They will bear that burden so fulfilling the law of Christ. And if it's you who have been hoisted up, you have the responsibility to let those who have picked you up walk with them and 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 carry that. I mean, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to be active in that. Mm. I'm reminded of James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another also that you may be healed. Like I, I just, I'm, I, I think about that verse often and that's not something we typically see in our churches, is it? When was the last time, brothers and sisters, when was the last time you confessed your sin to a brother or sister? When was the last time you called somebody up or, or said, hey, I, I need to meet with you and said, I, can I just confess some sin to you? It's an honest question. We need those foxhole buddies. We need our team guys. We need the brothers to our front and on our back and on our left and our right. And there needs to be safety there. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, et cetera, so on and so forth. And this is, like I said at the beginning of this point, the resolve to hold up. This, this is where most who have um, hoisted up, they, they give up. They quit. They lazily assume um, that one is fully recovered and they walk away because it's too hard for them or they have more important things going on something like that. And that shouldn't be the case. We need to bear active, bear one another's burdens. 
That's that's uh, that, that that's our responsibility. So, let me ask another question: How are you doing with this? How are you doing with it? Is there somebody? Uh, is there somebody in your life who was caught in a transgression? Somebody who maybe wronged you, sinned against you, your family. Um, a brother or sister in Christ. Again, we're talking about in the context of the church here. Who maybe needs to be hoisted up and needs to be held up. Brothers and sisters, I would challenge you and admonish you in love to go to them and to do that. So that's, uh, we've, we've talked about the responsibility to hoist up the resolve to hold up. And now we come to the reminder of humility. The reminder of humility in verse three. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And um, this statement's not out of place at all. There, there are people uh, who have been like, well, that's, that's an odd thing to say right there. Um, but it's not in context because how often do we as believers shy away from helping those who have fallen, right? And we shy away from hoisting up and holding up because maybe we care more about being acceptable to the masses instead of faithful to the one. Maybe we care about the optics of the situation when we should care about our optics before the Lord and honoring and, and obeying his commands. And why do we do this? Why does, why does that happen? And I think the answer is right in front of us. It's glaring. It's pride. We think higher of ourselves than we ought. All of us do. All of us wrestle with it. We think of ourselves as higher uh, uh, than, than those around us. And that shouldn't be the case, brothers and sisters. That's, uh, that's, that's pride. And pride is the root of all sin. And the Lord hates it. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17. There are six things which Yahweh hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And we see Paul writing something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. In our Lord's words, Matthew 5 and chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It was the great Puritan commentator, Matthew Henry, who said, quote, self-conceit is but self-deceit. There is no more dangerous cheat in the world than self-deceit. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, then he deceives himself. Are we keenly aware of our own lostness, 
our own spiritual and moral state of bankruptcy apart from the saving power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we constantly reminding ourselves? I'm reading right now John Flavel, uh, uh, Keeping the Heart. Um, Brothers and sisters, if you do not have this book, you need to get it. That and The Wiles of Satan by William Spurstow. But um, one of the things that Flavel um, reminds us in here is whenever we are tempted um, to, uh, whenever we're tempted to think higher of ourselves and lament over our circumstances, um, he, he reminds us in here, I can't find the quote right now, but he reminds us in there. He said, just think of your soul's condition apart from Christ. Think about what you truly deserve. If God, if God had chosen to extend fairness to you instead of mercy, then you would experience, you and I would both experience the unbridled, justified wrath of the living God for all eternity in hell. We are nothing, brothers and sisters. We are nothing apart from Christ. So we remember that and, and we're there for one another. We bear one another's burdens. We fulfill the law of Christ. We restore such a one in gentleness. And and Apostle Paul continues, he said, but each each one must examine his own work, right? To test, to prove your own work in your own house, your deeds, making sure that our lives are right with the Lord making sure that, that, that we are not deceiving ourselves. And, and here's the key, beloved. We, we examine ourselves in the mirror of God's word, not the mirror of looking at one another and saying, well, at least I'm not like that guy or that girl. But no, we stand and we beat our chest and we say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Thank you for your grace. And then we extend that. We should be eager to examine and judge our own lives first and foremost before, before examining and condemning those who have, who have repented and those who need our help. So brothers and sisters, um, how are you doing with all this? How are you doing with all this? How am I doing with all this? You know, and, and um, it's, a, it's a great question to ask ourselves. We have been shown grace upon grace, the Bible says. Mercy beyond mercy. And we should be quick to forgive and quick to show that same mercy to our brothers and sisters who have fallen. And when they do fall and we have gained our brother, as Matthew 18 says, we've extended that forgiveness, understanding that the debt repaid to us was an unpayable debt. And then we come up underneath one another and we bear the weight of each other's burdens 
and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Mm. Convicting reminder for all of us, myself included. So I hope that uh, you've enjoyed today's episode um, and uh, may the Lord use it for his glory and to encourage and or admonish or rebuke if necessary. Um, And uh, just know that um, I love you. I'm thankful for each one that chooses to listen to Matter of Theology. And um, if I can be praying for you in any way, uh, please reach out uh, to me on the socials. Reach out to our MOT uh, socials page, and I would love to do that. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to shut this one down. Gracious God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. We don't deserve it but we need it and we are so, I am so thankful for the discipline of your grace. Father, if there's anyone in my life, uh, number one, um, to whom I have not forgiven any sin or transgression, Lord, would you bring that to mind so that I could repent of my lack of grace and forgiveness And Father, would you be merciful to me as I do so? And God, give give me and give us the strength to, um, to if anyone's around us to, uh, who has been caught in a transgression, to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to ourselves that we would not be tempted. God, give us the strength and the resolve and the focus and the fortitude to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Matter of Theology. We love you. We'll see you on the next one.